Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. Hey, Connect. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name's Chris. get to serve on the team here. And I'm really glad you decided to join us today as we kick off our Christmas series, Expectant. For 400 years, God was silent. God had spoken. He spoke to Abraham and he promised that, that he was going to make him into a, a nation, a great nation that would bless other nations. He had spoken to Moses and told Moses to free his people from slavery in Egypt. He had spoken to the judges and the kings and given them instructions and guidance as they led his people. He had spoken to the prophets, to his people, that they would relay his message, calling them to repentance and saying that, hey, one day a Messiah is going to come and he is going to rule and reign forever. You see, God had spoken, but for 400 years, he was silent. God was silent, but his people were expectant. You see, they knew the promises that God shared with the patriarchs. They celebrated Passover every year, remembering that God freed them from slavery in Egypt as a people. They remembered King David. They awaited the Messiah. So while God was silent, they were expectant. And then God spoke. Not once, but twice. Surprise! Christmas is coming. And as we've experienced every Christmas since, as each day passed, the expectancy grew for that first Christmas. And here's what we're going to do this month. As we live our lives together, we are going to look at the accounts of the first Christmas and see what we could expect this Christmas. So if you've got a Bible with you, uh, why don't you turn with me to Luke chapter 1. We're going to start by looking at two accounts today. They're recorded in verses 5 through 38. If you're new to the Bible, Luke is one of the biographies that was written on Jesus' life and ministry, and it kicks off right with the events that actually preceded Jesus' birth. If you need a Bible or a place to jot down some notes, we've got a church app. You can follow along there. Uh, I love this time of year, and I'm expectant for what God's got for us this year. Because I believe as we look to these accounts that led up to the first Christmas, we're going to have a better understanding of what we could expect this Christmas. Well, let's pray and then we'll dive in. Lord, thank you. Thanks for who you are. Thanks for your love for us. Thank you that it's unchanging. And thank you uh, that, that when you speak, you invite us into something bigger than ourselves. And I would ask that even here now in this time, in this place, that you would speak to each of us. You'd speak to us personally, that you'd speak through your word, and that you'd speak through me. And would we know you more? And would you give us the faith to follow you forward? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I uh, I remember it like it was yesterday. 
It was February 20th, 2017. I had taken the day off from work because it was Amanda's birthday. And we had all these plans. We were going to sleep in, make some breakfast together, get a workout in, have a couple's massage. It was going to be a great day. We had all these expectations, and then it just didn't unfold as we expected. Amanda woke up before me that day, but it wasn't long before she was shaking me. Chris, 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 what is it? And she's holding something right in front of my face. Now, in fairness to her, without my contacts, I'm basically blind, but it's like right here. She's like, look, look. I'm like, what, what is it? It looks like a thermometer. Uh, what is it? She says, I'm pregnant. And our, our eyes just filled with tears. We embraced, we celebrated. I have yet to surprise her with that level of birthday surprise. And you know, in that moment, we, we knew everything was about to change. We didn't know when Amanda was due. We didn't know if the baby was a boy or a girl. We just knew everything we knew was about to change in a really exciting way. Today, we're going to look at two pregnancy announcements that have some surprising similarities and differences that reveal how we should respond when God speaks to us. And the first account is, well, it begins in Luke 1, 5, and 7, 5 through 7. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. So we got Zechariah, who's a priest, and his wife Elizabeth, and they're good people. I mean, the text describes them, they're righteous in the sight of God. But just because they're good doesn't mean all's good for them. You see, Elizabeth was barren. Some of you can relate to that, and it's hard, and it's heartbreaking if you want to have a child. For Elizabeth and Zechariah back then, this was devastating, uh, socially and economically. Socially, people just assumed that they had a, uh, committed some egregious sin or something, like they were being punished by God. That's why they couldn't have a kid. Economically, they, they didn't know who was going to care for them in their old age. That's what kids did back then. So all is, all is good for them, except it's not. And, and when even people place these assumptions on them, while they might be unfounded about their character, assumptions still hurt. So we've got Zechariah. And Elizabeth, they're good people. Text describes them observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. I mean, they're solid. This isn't like because of some egregious sin or something. And yet, even though they live these blameless lives, they didn't get what they want. And that's a hard truth for us to wrestle with. Just because we're good doesn't mean we're going to get it. Just because we want it doesn't mean we're going to get it. You see, God's God. 
He alone is sovereign. He alone is in control. And often, God's purposes don't align perfectly with our plans. Can anyone relate? I've been there so many times. But what you know what we can do? We can find peace in God's providence. Because when we look at Zechariah and Elizabeth's story, here's, here's what we see. While others thought that all this was taking place because of some sin in their past, and while they were unsure what their future was going to look like, God was up to something in the present. I mean, just look at this. Now in verse 8 and following. Once, the, once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. So just for context, given the number of priests, this was like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for Zechariah. And God had something better in store. Let's keep reading. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So there in the temple, an angel appeared to Zechariah with this life-changing announcement that his wife, Elizabeth, even in her old age, was going to have a baby. But this just wasn't like any baby. This baby was the baby that was going to be the forerunner to the one that God, God's people had been awaiting for hundreds of years. This baby was going to be named John. This was, no, this was no just average baby. This was a special baby. You see, God may have been silent, but he now had a word for Zechariah. So how did Zechariah respond? Well, it challenged him. Let's just see. Verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. It's a kind way of saying it. The angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. Because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Zechariah, a priest of God, wrestled with some doubt, some uncertainty when God spoke to him. The text says that he responds to the angel this way. How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. He's looking for a sign. Here an angel is right before him, and he wants a sign that God is doing something, that God is going to follow through on this word that the angel is sharing with him. And I can relate. I, I can relate. 
I'll think I hear God speak, and then I want to hear him again. Write it in the clouds. Have a friend speak in. Something, anything, like I'll, any sign will do. I just, like, give me all the signs. Open door, closed door, what, like, give it to me. I just want signs. Zechariah wanted a sign. In reality, God's word to us should be enough for us. When he speaks, we, we can take that to the bank. So what if instead of questioning God when we hear him speak, what if we responded in faith? What then? I mean, God's going to do what God's going to do. As we're going to see as the story unfolds, and you know, we read it over the next month or so, John's born, and Zechariah got his sign. It just wasn't what he expected. He was silent for the nine months leading up to Zechariah's birth. God proved that he's God, that he's in control, that he's sovereign, but Zechariah didn't get the sign that he wanted but he did get a sign that demonstrated God is God and God's going to do what God's going to do. Now, however we respond, whether we choose to respond like Zechariah or we choose to respond in faith, how we respond is going to have an impact. And here's the impact. It impacts our experience of what God's going to do. Let's just keep reading and we'll see how it plays out for Zechariah. Verse 21, meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remaining unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Zechariah heard from God, but his faith wavered in the process. He questions, how, how can this be? And then as the story unfolds, he's silent while his wife is pregnant. But here's the cool thing. Even in God's goodness, even in God's grace, God still does what he promised, even though Zechariah didn't respond with the faith-filled response he probably wishes he responded with. Now, that's one pregnancy announcement. Let's look at the second pregnancy announcement, because there are a lot of similarities, but some very distinctive differences. And it's in the differences that we see what a faith-filled response should look like when God speaks to us. Second account begins in Luke 1, 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. 
who's the only person more surprised to find out that she's pregnant than a woman who is old and past her childbearing years? A virgin. And yet, Mary had found favor with God. And this angel, Gabriel, tells her, hey, you're going to bear the Messiah, the one God people have been waiting for for hundreds of years. You're the one. You're going to bear this child. You know, Elizabeth was pregnant with John, the forerunner to this Messiah. But Mary, Mary had the privilege of bearing the Messiah himself. Why Mary? Why Mary? Because God chose Mary. And Mary, when God invited her into the story, Mary responded with faith. She got to experience the goodness of God, not because of her response, but because God's good. And now we celebrate her. We celebrate her response. We celebrate the part that she gets to play in God's story. Gets to bear the Messiah, the Son of God, the King of Kings, the one that God's people have been waiting for for hundreds and hundreds of years. He's coming in a very surprising way. Here's Mary's response. She says, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the spirit will come on you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the holy one to be born will be called the son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? It's a logical question. But even in her logic, we see Mary's faith. She asks, how will this be? She's not questioning God's ability. She's just wondering how he's going to pull it off. Contrast that with Zechariah. When he found out his wife Elizabeth's going to be pregnant, how did he respond? How can I be sure of this? He's got some doubts. He's got some uncertainty. He needs some proof. Mary, on the other hand, she knows that God is able. She just wants to know how is he going to pull it all off. Verse 38 illuminates this heart, this faithful heart, this joy-filled response of Mary. You know, there we see that she says, I'm the Lord's servant, a very humble posture. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. Back then, when a a woman was pregnant outside of marriage, it was a very shameful thing. They would certainly experience public disgrace. A lot of very safe assumptions would be made. And with that, there's a good chance that, that she could lose her life. That's for the average woman pregnant outside of marriage back then. Mary knew that. And when Mary said yes, she said yes knowing that she would be misunderstood, knowing that she would receive some public disgrace, knowing that her life might even be on the line. But she knew more than all of that, her God is able. So how he's going to pull this thing all off, she doesn't exactly know. But she knows that if God said it, it's going to come, come to be. And 
it makes me think, when, when God speaks to us and he's inviting us to take a step of faith, when we say yes, we might just be saying yes to misunderstanding from our family. If, if we say yes to God, we might just be saying yes to rejection from our friends. If we say yes, we are going to be saying yes to personal sacrifice. I think of even just Blake and Marcy Lemonian. We've, many of us, if you're part of our church family, we've observed this over the last few months. It, over the last four or five months, they've had six Haitians living with them. Six friends from Haiti who've come here and been living with them. Let me ask you this. Is it easy to have six people living in your home for four months? Is it cheap to have six people living in your home for four months? No. Does Jesus' heart break for the poor and marginalized? Oh, you bet it does. You bet it does. And Blake and Marcy know that. They know God, they know his word, they know his heart. So when they receive the call in June that six of their Haitian friends from the orphanage that they've served with for years in Haiti, six of these, they're able to come to the United States. Blake and Marcy said yes to personal sacrifice because they wanted to be a part of what God was doing in their lives. God sent the angel Gabriel to speak to both Zechariah and to Mary. Zechariah, who was a respected religious leader, and Mary, a nobody from nowhere. Zechariah, who was seeking God in the temple, and Mary, who was sought out by God. Zechariah, who was the father of John, the forerunner to the Messiah. Mary, who was the mother of the Messiah himself. Zechariah responded in doubt. Mary responded in faith. God's going to do what he's going to do. He's able. He's going to pull it off. And when God speaks to us, whether it's through his word or through some other means, how are we going to respond? Are we going to respond like Zechariah? Or are we going to respond like Mary. You know, we want to respond in faith. We want to be like Mary. We want to say yes when God speaks to us. But we should know that saying yes isn't always easy because when we respond in faith, it's not going to make sense to people who haven't heard what we've heard. Faith never makes sense to people who haven't heard what we've heard. Uh, even Joseph, Mary's fiance had a hard time wrapping his whole mind around the Holy Spirit conception thing. That is, until God sent an angel to him too. I, I think of uh, one of the times where I, I feel like I really heard God speak to Amanda and me. It was, we were living in Maine, and it was shortly after Hannah was born, and we entered into this season because of some questions that people asked us that caused us to pray and it was through this prayerful process that we felt like God was saying hey I I'm calling you to move back uh, from Maine back to Colorado where Amanda's from I'm originally from Maine and you're gonna plant a church there and when we wrestled this through we knew that saying yes was gonna be a challenge because saying yes 
for sure meant moving from my family, which makes zero sense if you live for family. We knew that in saying yes to coming back out here and, and doing this, we were going to be saying no to a promotion, which makes no sense if you live for your career. And we knew that in saying yes, church planting is hard. We were told by people here, planting in South Denver, that's like the church plant graveyard. Go get them, right? Thanks for the encouragement. And you know what we got to do? We got to plant in a pandemic. So that was fun. But God's faithful. And we've seen that he is able time and time and time again. And while I may not have written the story exactly as it's unfolded, I wouldn't change it, and here's why. Because at each point along the way, we have seen God show up. We've seen him change lives. We've seen 20 people declare their faith in him by getting baptized. It's incredible. We've seen people who, they were attending church for years, but they hadn't actually experienced being in the church. They had these gifts that God has given them, and they had just laid dormant. But by God's grace, we've seen those come to light here, and now we get to do what we do because each of us are using our respective gifts. We've seen people taste the goodness of Jesus-centered community. We've gotten to be a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. And, you know, when God speaks, I don't ever want to miss out on the other side. He's going to do what he's going to do. I just, if he's inviting me to be a part of man, I want to be a part of that. So, what does this mean for us? What does it mean, what does it mean for you? Because living by faith is hard. It's hard. It is not easy. And sometimes saying yes means life's going to get harder. But just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not better or it's not good. It's just challenging. You know, living by faith is worth it because when we do, we get to walk in faith. We get to walk with God. We get to experience and we get to hear from him. We get to be a part of him doing something that's so much bigger, so much better than anything we could do by ourselves. So imagine with me. Imagine you say yes to God. Imagine you say yes to Jesus' invitation to follow him. And you get to experience life with God now and forever. Or, or imagine with me that you say yes to, to showing up at group even when you don't want to show up. You're saying yes to, to Jesus-centered community. And imagine that when you do that time and again and time and again, on the good days and the hard days, when you're spent, when you want to just jump up and cheer because it's been a great week, when you just keep showing up time and time again, imagine the relationships that are formed. Like you actually have people you can call on your best day and your worst day. Imagine with me that you say yes to that crazy thing that God's, God's been speaking to you about. You know it, but you don't want to admit it because you know what it's going to cost. And on the front end, it just feels so daunting. But imagine you say yes, and you get to be a part of something bigger than yourself. This is the invitation of the gospel, that we get to respond in faith when God speaks. And the cool thing about God speaking, you don't have to be a religious elite. You can be a nobody from nowhere. God speaks to everyone because he loves everyone. 
The only question is when God speaks, how will we respond? I'll tell you one thing, at Connect, we're a people who when God speaks, we say yes in faith because God is able. He was faithful then, he'll be faithful now. And when we respond in faith, we get to step into a whole new realm of his faithfulness, experiencing him in a new and a fresh way. So let's pray that God would give us the faith to respond in that way. Lord, we come before you and we're thankful for your word. We thank you that you speak to anyone and everyone and that we also know that whenever we open your word, you're going to speak to us. We just ask that you would give us the faith to respond in faith because on the front end, it feels daunting. On the front end, if we're honest, we, we have some doubts. So would you, would you give us a, a faith to say yes? Ultimately, a faith to say yes to you, Jesus, and also a faith to follow you each and every day going forward. You are so good. You are so good. And we praise you that you are able, that you are faithful, And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray all these things.